Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Okay, welcome to another edition of The Coaching Show. This is the first time we're uh, doing the show from our new studios high atop, well, okay, street level, uh, uh, <laughs> here in beautiful Pacific Beach, uh, California, uh, San Diego, California. Uh, my name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Been a coach for 23 years, although I don't look at... Who, uh, then, who, there, who, who's that? Who's that voice? <laughs> I'm Clarice Connolly, and I'm a women's empowerment coach. And you can empower, you can find me on empoweringwomen.coach. Empoweringwomenplural.coach, singular. Uh, me, of course, ChristopherMcAuliffe.com, thecoachingshow.com, and accomplishmentmedia.com. All right, uh, what do we need to talk about? Uh, we, we will do a show about the conversation, singular, among masters, plural, conference that I went to. Um, yeah, that was New Orleans. We've spent an entire day with Julio Alaya, founder of the New Field Network. Spent a day with Cheryl Richardson. You know her from a million appearances on Oprah and all of her books, including Take Time for Your Life. By the way, Clarice, have you taken time for your life? Yeah, I'm doing that this weekend. Oh. Going on a retreat. I'm really excited. I don't think you know what excited means. <laughs> I'm uh, just excited for this guest. I can't wait to get to oh, talking so and you're sharing. And just you just relate to myself. this as jibber jabber that's in no, the way. No, it's I understand. important. I'm really excited for that episode too. <laughs> I understand. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> wow. Uh, also, David Houle, who is a, a futurist, one of the things that he uh, talked to us about was the future of coaching maybe AI maybe robotic. So there's your Skynet warning for the day. Oh. Uh, what a, Anything you want to bring to the party? Oh, that's the AI, you're just like... You're, you're this is what happens when you're bit. happy in a relationship. You get all like moody and kind of swoony and stuff, right? <laughs> <sighs> I liked it better when she was single and lonely and desperate. Oh, stop. That's not even true. <laughs> You're not even true. All right. What else do we need to talk about? Um, the uh, ICF uh, Midwestern Regional Conference is coming up. It's coming up at the in, uh, in June, at the end of June in Pittsburgh. You want to go check it out. ICF Midwest Regional Conference. The ICF uh, Capital Coaches Conference in Washington, D.C. is coming up. Although Washington, D.C., a little bit of a swamp in more than one way. Uh, what else is happening that we need to talk about? Anything? Oh, right now, this minute, the ACTO, the Association of Coach Training Organizations, is going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll have reports from all of those things. We'll have uh, interviews recorded and shares and all sorts of things like that. Anything you need to let the people know about events upcoming or anything? Go out and do them. I think the way that we learn the most and expand our awarenesses is by being out in conferences and getting real-life information. Yeah, it's really, really important to keep growing in our roles as coaches. Uh, this show here, we bring you people that are uh, useful and interesting and mm -hmm. foundational in terms of everything from your coaching practice to your coaching knowledge and expanding the ability to serve your clients. This week, um, you're very excited about them. Do you want to take a moment and introduce... Oh, no, you don't. I see. Because of our new setup, you can't see any of the information. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's all science, people. Don't try this at home. Professional podcasting. All right. Check this out. Steve's mission. So, you know, his name is Steven. Mm -hmm. To live and work wholeheartedly with meaning and purpose. Business leaders must know what they stand for and how to instill their beliefs in action. And he works with organizations and their leaders 
to have them rise to their potential and make a positive impact on the world of their customers. Over the past 24 years, he's been a leader and an innovator in brand strategy. He's a frequent speaker at national events, and he's written and published two books, including Brand, Love, and Loyalty, and Humanizing the Customer Journey. His forthcoming book, The Evolved Brand, How to Impact the World Through the Story of Your through the power of your brand, forgive me, will be published in late 2018. A local here, we're delighted to have him with us via Skype, Mr. Stephen Morris. Hello, sir. Well, good morning. Thank you both so much for having me on the show, Clarice, Christopher. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. It's our privilege. Thanks so much for being with us. All right. So the, uh, my assertion is there are a lot of people out there doing branding work, right? You can, you know, every BNI chapter has got somebody who's doing some sort of branding or help you hone your message. But you've got a bit of a different take on it. Your focus is really on, and your upcoming book is really on impacting the world through the power of branding. How is that different than the work most people are doing in their brand? Yeah, that's. I love the question, Chris. Um, and you know, it's interesting. So for the last uh, 23, 24 years, I actually ran an agency uh, that did global work for you know clients like Samsung and LG and Sony and you know many multinational companies and also local organizations. And a lot of that work was what we considered in in the sort of the professional creative services space as brand work. And you know, a lot of the folks in that work in that particular realm. They think about branding as the exterior expression of the brand. So, right, uh, you know, right. that would include things like the, you know, the, the logo identity and the brand guide and, you know, all the visual components of the brand. The way that we sort of looked at it within the agency was that, you know, the message came first. So when we would work with organizations uh, like some of the ones that I mentioned, uh, we would actually work with the brand language first and foremost, which is tethered upon the belief systems of the organization and the leaders. So what does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. So when, when leaders found an organization or when they're working with an organization, hopefully they're doing it with, with a, a set of purpose and promise orientation in mind that has more to do with how they're going to add value to the, the lives of their customers versus simply just making money. So one of my favorite questions to a leader of an organization when we're first getting together is, let's just assume that you're going to make money as a business, as any business should make money uh, in order to be not just profitable, but to move forward and pay the employees and things like that. If we take all that aside, what reason does your organization exist on this planet? Mm. And so it's a it's a fascinating question and the responses range in in the in the realm from you know utter bewilderment that they've never either asked themselves that mm -hmm. question mm -hmm. or they really don't have an answer or they have an inkling or a feeling a, like a gut feeling for that answer um but they don't know how to articulate it so a lot of the work that i do with leaders and organizations is really coming to ground with the deep deeply held beliefs of, of the organization and the leaders with that, those groups and building the brand and really even the culture from there on out so that it provides not just a, a clear and core purpose, which is the reason being beyond making money, but it also delivers a very explicit and measurable promise to the lives of the customers. And I say explicit and measurable is that, you know, a promise is only as good as you can state a promise and immeasurable 
because it holds the organization accountable for living up to the promise that they're stating to their customers. And that's essentially what I mean by value. So back to your question, Chris, the, the, the difference for, for the work that I do and, and the work that I've been doing for several years now is that it, it is not about, at least at first, not about the exterior expression for the brand like I said, including the identity and the brand guidelines and the look and feel of the organization, but much more so tethered deeply into the deeply held beliefs of the organization and how that benefits the world and the and especially the world of customers. I I love what you kind of stated there, like this piece of I hear like an either or in it. Like it's either you're in this like belief system and that's what your branding is stemming from and the purpose and promise that you, and like that orientation. But what if it like, is it okay if someone's purpose is just to make money? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, (laughs) you say, yeah, like no, (laughs) That's, that's a beautiful conversation to have. Right. So is it okay? Absolutely, it's okay. If, if their driving purpose is to only make money, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens, unfortunately, with, with that belief system is it creates a, a bigger opportunity for things like nefarious practices within the organization. The leaders tend to treat people uh, quite poorly. Um, you know, HR truly drives the, you know, the and squeezes the, the as much work out of the people as they possibly can mm-hmm. in order to squeeze as much profit out of the business. And they're also, if they're not focused on providing value, real value, measurable value to the to the customers of their world, then they're likely just going to be pushing products that perhaps people don't even need and sometimes mm-hmm. services that people don't even need. So in Inherently, it is okay for that to happen, but what I have seen, and we've we've even seen it through a lot of the sort of um, you know mass media. You think about the trouble that Wells Fargo has gotten into. Uh, you think about the trouble that Volkswagen has gotten into. You know, in my opinion, those are organizations that are in it to make money or make profit, and that's their driving purpose. Uh, if they had a different driving purpose, which was much more intrinsic and customer centric, I don't believe that they would have gotten themselves in the same situation. Nice. So it leads to a more ethical and more uh, um, what I'm kind of hearing is the circularity of it, right? The more focused we are on doing good in the world, the more good in the world we do. Am I picking up? Yeah. And there's a virtuous cycle within that, that it actually creates ends up creating more value. And in my book, uh, uh, Brand Love and Loyalty, I talk about how the brand, when built with this purpose and promise at, at its sort of core center uh, or cornerstones of the organization, it actually creates a deeper loyalty and a longer loyalty to the, the folks on the outside, uh, meaning the customers. So those customers, because the, the organization is looking out after them and providing deep value, they're much more likely to be a loyal customer and they're also much more likely to sing the praises of the organization mm. and refer other people into that business, which makes their marketing easier and actually makes their recruiting easier too. I Even in hearing that, I just hear like what that, how that sits with me internally is like when someone's, our business is purpose oriented and purpose driven, you're like out making the better, like making a difference out in the world versus if you're money oriented and if you're 
like, you know, looking just to make the profit, you get like a certain type of person person who's already stressed out. And I can just like paint this picture of that kind of person. And then the business that that creates that or that the, they flock to. Yeah. Yeah. We could we could for a moment bring this down to the human level. And um, Clarice, it sounds like you're in a relatively new relationship. I'm making some assumptions here, but let's say that your uh, significant other got down on their knees and, and offered you an engagement ring. Um, and I'm not saying that's going to happen. I have no insight there. So <laughs> pardon, pardon the metaphor. Um, and uh, they said, you know, I, I'd love to get married to you. And then you asked them the reason why. And that reason why was they, they began to state statistics that married men live longer. Oh, and okay. so you begin to think, well, wait a minute, <laughs> that's what's in it for me, you know? So, you know, and however, if the reason for the uh, marriage proposal was very different uh, and had to do with, you know, because I love and cherish you and, and I, I want to you know, provide a great life for us to live together, things like that, you've now all of a sudden set the table for a completely different relationship. Mm. And, I, you know, because all work uh, and even all, you know, modern organization is human invention, you cannot take the human equation out of that. And I think people want close relationships and meaningful relationships, not just with the people that they that they live with in their personal lives, but the people that they work with, but also the people that they do business with. I want to um, take this to the level of leadership and get out of, uh, you know, Clarice's business. Please get out of my love life. <laughs> <laughs> um, Saving Clarice here. Good. Thanks. All right, well done. So one of the things that I, that I feel like we run into a lot so I'm, I'm just following up on Clarice's question, right? So there are people that I think we've all met who are clearly in the business, whatever it is, but I'm talking about coaching right now, where there are people who are in it for a passionate commitment mm -hmm. to the human, the hum growth of humanity or the support of individuals or something. And then I have met and we have met those people who are out to make a dollar. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And when we meet them, I know that I feel morally superior to them, although financially often inferior. Um, and then there are the people that are sort of straddling the line. Why I'm bringing it up now is I'm looking at that same dynamic that is some people in it for the long, you know, uh, social good or the purpose driven reason and others in it for the let's make a buck, you know, sustainability. I mean, what is it that the um, margin makes the mission, right? Uh, mm -hmm. That in an organization, you've got both of those people and they're sort of warring or at least conflicting most of mm -hmm. the time. Now, I know you, Steve, as a, as a guy who works on messaging and brand strategy, you know that you're talking with the uh, highest levels of leadership. And I'm imagining that you've dealt with leadership in organizations where the leadership is sort of split. There are the purpose-driven folks and then there's the m profit motive-driven folks. How do, you, how do you straddle that or is it even important in an organization to sort of point to that? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. You know, in, uh, you're, you're talking about a very real life scenario that happens in uh, many, if not most organizations uh, that, you know, not, not just exist in the world, but even in, including uh, the folks that I work with. And, you know, you think about, well, what is what is ultimately the job of the CEO? And the job of the CEO, from my perspective, would be first and foremost to set the mission and to be very clear about articulating, uh, defining and articulating what that mission is. And then 
also to empower the people, empower the team, empower the organization, including his or her leadership team, to be on the same page about what that what what that vision is and what that mission is, so that they're all heading in the same direction. And Jim Jim Collins talked about it mm-hmm, uh, very extensively right. and good to great, which is, you know, his metaphor of getting the right people on the right bus, heading in the right seats, heading in the right direction. Well, the, in that particular metaphor, that 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 leader is the single bus driver heading towards the particular vision of the organization, and I think it's. It's, it's a very significant and real challenge for the leader, the, the single CEO, to ensure not only are they surrounding themselves with other leaders and lieutenants that are aligned with that mission uh, or the vision or what we would call the purpose, but also if they are not, to either work with them or bring in like an outside uh, coach, consultant, or advisor to help make sure or ensure that that leadership team first and foremost is aligned in what the belief systems are. Because we've all seen it where you might have one group of people or a leader at the very top of the organization who believes one set of things, but then just you know one layer below, uh, there is an alignment and, and that, that organizational alignment is, is absolutely paramount when it comes to the belief systems. And it's true with a family. Like you think about it from a family standpoint and really any organization. At the center of that organization is a set of beliefs. We can call those core values or we can call that purpose and all kinds of different ways to articulate that. But really everyone has to be on some level aligned with those things. And often, and this is why coaches are so valuable and advisors are so valuable mm-hmm. that an, an ex, external consultant can come in and help work with those leadership teams to create that alignment, to have the, the sometimes the, ne- the, the, the messy and the necessary conversations to ensure that great communication happens and understanding happens about the beliefs and everyone's on the same page. And if they're not, then find a way for uh, those people who, who do not raise their hand and subscribe to the beliefs of that organization, mm-hmm. either find them another position, some, some probably somewhere outside the organization or <laughs> somewhere inside the organization that they're not going to do any harm, which yeah. is probably not good advice. Right. I, and I know, so in getting to know you and doing a little research, I know that your belief is like the import, there's an importance around creating, creating living core values through organizational stories. Why are those organizational stories important in organizing life? Yeah, so let's let, let me for your listeners uh, connect it to the things that we we're just talking about. So mm-hmm. in in what I would consider when I'm when I'm doing and deploying a um, a program that I would consider a brand evolution program Um, we define the purpose first and then the promise second. So that really it's a bookend of beliefs that actually connect one another. One is very internally driven or intrinsically driven, and then one is driven to the outside world. And so the, the challenge then is how do you deliver on promises to an exterior world and, and have a culture who doesn't maybe understand a, what the, what the purpose is all about and then how to deliver on that promise. And this is where core values come in. And I believe that core values are essentially the operating system to a culture. They're the things that are mined from the purpose, mission, and visions of the organization. And they're the 
actionable behaviors that that really are supposed to be supporting the the culture within the organization. And the reason I think that stories are important when it comes to that is that, you know, we've all seen it where the organizations have, you know, a set of six or eight core values and they're in the employee manual and on day one, you know, when someone's getting onboarded, you know, through the HR and training processes, they say our core values are this, this, and this. And then that's the last you hear of them. They're like flat. (laughs) Yeah, they're just kind of floating out there and people don't know really what to do with them. They really don't know what they mean. And they definitely don't know what they mean in action. Mm-hmm. And so the reason I do a lot of work around mining stories that bring these core values to life is that, you know, we as humans were, were raised on stories. Um, and it goes back for centuries, even before, you know, language was invented. Uh, you know, we would, we would through, you know, symbol and song share stories around campfires. And you know the work of Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell is it's extensive around the universality of of stories and how they permeate different cultures. So the telling of stories that brings the core values to life not only makes them believable, but it makes them actionable. And the thing that that the stories are easily repeated because I heard a story about you know Jane showing up with a particular customer, and that particular customer had this particular challenge. And, you know, here's the story that ensued on how she lived up to the core value of courage or whatever it was. And it's those stories that get evangelized and told over and over again within the organization so that I can then, me as an individual working for that organization, can also live up to that story. And then I create my story, the stories of my own. And, And I'm encouraged to then repeat those stories to other folks in the organization. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovations, the coaching show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Gotham Books presents Marriage Rules by Harriet Lerner. The book Martha Beck calls, Required reading for anyone hoping to interact successfully with any other human, not just for those in romantic relationships. Get your copy wherever books and ebooks are sold and visit harrietlearner.com to learn how to change your marriage today.
I, I want to talk about the communication of those stories. I, I imagine that part of the work that you do is is allowing people to first of all articulate those stories, and then secondly, maybe hone those stories so that the the uh, the message or the way the story is told is both consistent and clear and concise. But um, I noticed that in in organizations that I work with, and I'm thinking including my own organizations, stories get lost. In other words, you know, I've told the story, I don't know, a thousand times or something, but it's been 23 years. And so the people who are newest and around here haven't heard the stories because I got tired of telling those stories back, you know, 10 years ago or something. Is there some structure that's needed or, or that you have found that keeps stories alive in an organization rather than, oh, yeah, those old people in the corner, they know those stories? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a story that's uh, that's a great point, Chris. The the story that's 23 years old may not have the same kind of impact as a story that happened yesterday How and was dare told you. this morning. <laughs> right. I don't right. even know that I have you know, any stories that are 23. We can get our head or, and our heart around those things and say, "Wow, that's 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 it's really awesome." Mm -hmm. um, so you know, a couple things to to your question there. So you know, one of which is how do you how do you capture the stories so that they're that they're aligned with the core values. And the first thing you do is you ask people what the stories are. And so I run workshops with organizations where uh, I did one just uh, two weeks ago with an organization after a keynote that had to do with a similar topic here, which was called brand and belonging. Uh, and then I ran, I, I ran this, it was a hundred person organization uh, on all hands, um, uh, uh, half day workshop where we had individuals talking about their own stories that brought a particular core value to life. And so you never really know what's going to happen in those workshop situations when whether or not people are going to struggle with, you know, coming up with a story. And then what we had, to, we had each table, there was like tables of 10, we had each table identify the most poignant, moving and powerful core value story and then share it with the entire room. And I'll tell you guys, you should have seen and felt the emotion and the wow effect that happened within that room. People were in tears about how their coworkers showed up to these, you know, really challenging and interesting mm -hmm. situations and how they showed up in the core values standpoint. So what we did then is we collected those stories in a very succinct way and we put them up on a wall for this offsite retreat. But then we also captured them into their online intranet. Uh, they have this great little intranet program uh, where they all communicate with one another, give shout outs and things like that. And there's also information sharing. And then we created this new folder called the Because folder. And it's it's the reason we call it the Because folder is is it's it has to do with why we do the work that we do. And so all kinds of people then added their stories within that particular folder and shared them with one another. And then through this online portal, it's, it sort of acts like Facebook a little bit where you can comment on each one of those stories. And so, you know, the evangelizing of those stories and the capturing of them as they relate to a particular core value is how they're both captured and the, the threshold in which you see those stories and then how they're, they're shared. And then the plan is to to do every year a new version of that, a new story capture process. That's that's incredible, and and, and it reminds me of the Tony Say stuff from from the creator of Zappos, right? Yeah. And how how many 
uh, structures there are in the organization to keep the organization focused on what they want to focus on, but also to keep the narrative going. And frankly, before I read that book, Zappos was just another online portal for me. But now mm -hmm. it's like, oh, they're so great and what they did and what they went through and all that stuff, right? So stories critical in carrying a brand. Are, is there ever a place where the stories hinder the brand? Like the next evolution or, or you're a brand evolution guy. Yeah. Stories yeah. ever in the way? Yeah. Is I don't know that a story is ever in the way because um, uh, in, unless it's a story of what not to do, uh, you know, and, and so, oh. the, so Chris, the only example that comes to mind with that is, you know, if you have a story where, um, you know, let's, let, I'm sorry, I hate to beat up on some of the, some of the, you know, well-known names that are in, um, in yeah. some of the media right now, but you think about the stories now that are floating around Wells Fargo, for instance, and those stories keep coming out into the media. And I'm sure, well, I would guess, I'm not sure, that some of those stories were told inside the organization. And they were stories, you know, much like Grimm's Brothers fairy tales of like, you know, the big bad wolf and what not to do, which can be as poignant, but it can also create poison within a culture because it begins to permeate that this behavior is going on. And to some extent, some people will believe, well, if, if the CEO or if this particular director or if this particular person is doing it, I guess it's okay for me. So those stories can actually hurt an organization. Mm -hmm. Clear. I am, this is a personal ask, very curious. So I hear stories and I'm like, oh man, I'm a little long winded. Mm -hmm. So stories for me, I think I lose people halfway through. They're great stories. I love them. But even my questions, like I'm very also long-winded in my questions. So when you say stories, say stories. Are we talking three-line sentences? Are we talking like small paragraphs? Like what's the minimum? What's the maximum? Because I'm over here like, oh man, I don't know that I'm a good storyteller if you don't have 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've studied a lot of like storytelling, and and not just from Joseph Campbell, even even like you look at like the master storytellers of the folks at Pixar, for instance, and they have a very very simple storytelling structure, which is when I'm running these workshops, I give people the direction to to essentially follow that story structure, which is you paint the picture of the situation as clearly and as, as succinctly as you can. You talk about the conflict because any good story has some type of conflict within it, um, and you so you set the table for that conflict, and then you talk about your approach or your resolution to that conflict, and so it's really that three-step process, and you can get as short or as long-winded as as you want. And some people, you know, Clarice, I totally hear you. Some people are very long-winded about things, but sometimes a story that captures the imagination that might actually go on a little bit long isn't necessarily a bad thing so long as you're still holding the people's attention and you arrive upon a point that they can take away the 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 the, 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 the nugget or the mm -hmm. morsel or the benefit of that story especially as it rolls back into the core value nice. it's uh let's let's talk about core values you say that they can organizations can bring core values to life through storytelling what's a what's a let's look at the other side a lot of our listeners are going to be entrepreneurs solopreneurs right whether they're brand new or a few years into their coaching career like Clarice or whether they're ancient dinosaurs like Dino myself then um, they're dealing with 
mostly our stories, I think, are reputation, right? Either I just did this with my brand new clients or I've done this for 20 years kind of stuff. What, what is there around core values for us to discover or to sort of um, make public through our stories? Is my question clear? Yeah. I, I noticed I got a little jumbled in my own yeah, question. Yeah, I think I understand the question there, Christopher. And so you really what we're asking is, you know, well, beyond story, what is the value of core values? And, you know, regardless of the size of the organization, I, I believe that any any individual or organization, any organization, even if they are just a solo individual, <clears throat> should have a set of sort of principles on which they operate. Mm -hmm. And core values are those things that we lean into typically when we're faced with our most challenging situations or, you know, a difficult customer or should I take this client or that client or or you, you get into a situation where you're having a, a truly a crucial conversation with uh, either a partner or client or a team or something like that. It's at that point uh, you lean into the core values, which are really the principles of your belief systems. And I do believe that organizations, regardless of size, and I've actually worked with, I, I'm doing some work with um, consultants and celebrities and things like that, they should be very clear about what their core values are because it is the things, and I, they should actually articulate them, and I help them do this, articulate them, write them down, and understand what it is that are their non-negotiables in their work life, or and they're probably stemming from their personal life too. And so if you think about, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier that in my opinion, core values are the operating system for an organization. If that's true, which I believe it is, it's true for regardless of the size of the organization. And if there end up being definition for your non-negotiables in the way that you will run your business, they're as potent and as pertinent to any size organization, even a solopreneur. Hmm. Really good, really clear. Is there, a, is there another practice or something that you would have us do to get to our core values? Is there something that you do with your clients that's sort of easy even for a solopreneur to do? Yeah. You know, one of the things that um, as I run a workshop on, you know, let's say an organization either wants to revisit or recreate their core values, I have them identify um, the key behaviors of their star employees, the employees mm. that, or the employees that best exemplify the organization at its best. Or if you're a solopreneur, the, the stories, and again, I'm talking about story here, the stories that best exemplify when the individual is at their best behavior, mm. when they showed up and they're, they just shined, they felt amazing in that particular situation they felt strong and power they held their center things like that so the thing that i love to do is to 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 first identify those individuals if it's a, a larger organization mm -hmm. uh, and and then identify either the stories and i usually start with stories or the traits of the character traits of the individual when they showed up in that particular situation and dissect those things down that says, when Clary showed up in this particular crucial conversation, she showed honesty, she showed uh, empathy, she showed courage and things like that. You know, so the, these were the three key elements that made her 
feel like she showed up as her most powerful best self in that particular situation. And then you can identify, you know, maybe 10 or 15, maybe up to 20 of those core character attributes. And then you begin to either mix and match and ideally then distill them down into, um, I, I love less than eight. If we can, if an organization can get to six core values, then even better. And then once you identify those core values, let's talk about actually how we articulate them in the brand personality of the organization. So the way that Nike might write a core value that could be about courage could be very different than the way Patagonia might write about courage. So making sure that you capture the essence of that core value and how you would articulate that core, core value in the fabric or vernacular of the brand personality. That painted such a really good picture. And I really like that. I like the way that you're challenging a lot of the ways that I've heard traditionally people create their brand mm -hmm. and create, um, I mean, even just sounds like the mission vision value statements. And I feel like I like want to really underscore that, like as things and so much are changing these days and, and we're going out with HR, it feels like this is such a great and more almost like heart empowered or very just like heart centered purpose driven place to come from. Yeah, thank you for that. You know, one of the things I've witnessed is that, you know, so I, I, the, I read a recent statistic on um, employee engagement uh, across the U.S. This was, a, I think, a U.S. St statistic, and I'm not sure what the global stats would be. But, you know, the, the numbers over the last, I think it was 10 years, hovered around just under 20 percent. Uh, so that meaning just under 20 percent of employees across the nation for all all people interviewed are engaged in their organization. Yeah. And if you think about that, you think about like trying to like, you know, like bake bread in an oven that is only using 20 percent right. of the heat that the <laughs> oven's able to put out there. You think, well, what is wrong with this? I mean, there's got to be a better way. And, you know, it's interesting. So when when I think about then the, you know, the, the cultural side of things and the core values and the belief systems within organizations, you know, any organization across the world, so be it a, a country, a community, a church, a nonprofit organization, a club that we might belong to, at the center of that organization, they all have some belief systems. And those people who raise their hand and say, you know what, I want to belong to that. I want to move to that neighborhood. I love living in this country, or I want to belong to this club, or in, in the situations that we're talking about, I'm going to raise my hand and I want to work for this organization. They're raising their hand sometimes because there's a subconscious belief that they either align with what that organization is doing and they can contribute in a way or they're just in it to make money. But you can guarantee that that individual on some level has a set of their own personal beliefs. Mm -hmm. And the more that you can identify what their own personal beliefs are from you know, the, the HR interview and hiring processes, uh, and as you onboard individuals, the more they understand what their own personal beliefs are, and then they can identify where they're connected to the, the organizational beliefs if they're articulated within the organization. And within that combination, 
you have a significant spike in employee engagement because people are, are in it, not just for the money, not just for the job, but they're in it because they're, they're, they're working for something that's larger for them than themselves. Or they're out, which is also a benefit to the organization because then you can get somebody with more than 20% in, right? Engage. Exactly. Like you you mentioned Tony Shea over at Zappos, right? right? So one of the beautiful things that they do, and, and you've read their books, so you know this, like they, they go through a training process for all new employees. And obviously they have a very stringent um, uh, review and interview process, uh, which is also fascinating. So anyone who hasn't read that book, would I would strongly encourage it. Um, but they also offer a, I think it's Two thousand or three thousand right, dollars right, yeah. after the training is done, and they 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 offer that money. They say, "Look, you can walk away from this organization, no questions asked, and here's three thousand dollars, or you can stick it out. But if you take that money, you can never come back here." By the way, right? And their acceptance rate is incredibly low, like less than less than five percent of those of the people who who go through that training process actually take that money. I, I heard think, about that. Yeah, it's great. Uh, uh, so, sorry, you had something. Go. Yeah, I, so I'm very curious. What would you say, like, what are some of the brand mistakes that coaches are making these days? I don't know that I'm particularly qualified to answer that question uh, because I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know that I, I know quite enough about. Uh, I know a fair bit about the coaching industry. I've worked mm -hmm. with a bunch of coaches, and I, I'm actually advising one right now. Um, but I don't know what mistakes they're making uh, from a, a brand standpoint. Uh, however, Clarice, if the question is um, more how could coaches better um, present or define, articulate, and present their brands, um, the, thing, the one thing that I see uh, as someone who is in sort of always sort of the market for another coach or executive coach that can you know, work with me is that I see very little differentiation out there in terms of the way that coaches position themselves. Right. And I think that there, there could be some benefit to individuals, coaches. Uh, getting very clear about here's here is not just my my experience my training etc but here is also how my coaching is different or who I coach that's different and um, because you think about it um, or I think about it because I'm a marketer in the world of uh, brand positioning right. so brand positioning is really about two things it's the intersection of of um, relevance and differentiation so relevance is really what's in it for the customer uh, or what the benefit to the customer would be. And differentiation is all about how are you different? How are you markedly different than those who would be considered competitors that any of your prospects might compare yourselves to? And having clear answers to both of those questions you can set yourself up for a clear market position that can, uh, can have a clear brand out into the world. Wow. I love that. That that even helped me. Thank you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> what are Good. what are some of the most common things that you're seeing that people are doing or could do differently or Oh, I know this one. Wait a second. I got this one, Steven. You can relax. <laughs> Bring um it. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually hired some uh yo yos to go do some uh 
some research, right? And here's the thing. If you had asked me before the research, hey, how is your coaching or your coaching organization different than others? I had like five things I would have said, right? Like we do, you know, we come from love and our core values. We, um, uh, you know, serve our customers at the highest level. All of our customers have breakthrough results. Uh, and we bring transformation. It's not just coaching. It's transformation of your whole act, right? And, uh, you know, I could have articulated those things. They, I just rolled them off the tongue here. Guess what we found when we paid people to do research on our competitors in our industry? Everybody I would, yeah. does it too. was saying those same five things, right? Yeah. Which is what you just said, right? Yeah. Like we're all highlighting the same thing and we think we're so different and we think we're so special, but hilariously in our special differentness, we're all exactly the same. Very interesting. Yeah. So really that, you know, sometimes the, the value of research is validation of what you think you already know, right? There's nothing more. Um, I don't, I think as a, as a, an executive, nothing more scary than the blind spots that we're unaware of. Um, uh, and that's why they call them blind spots, by the way, because we can't see them. Right. <laughs> and sometimes your research will be some of those things that, that do validate, um, what we think we know or the assumptions that we're making about how our, um, our business is perceived or our brand is perceived by the outside world. Um, but I would bet also, Christopher, that, you know, depending on the kind of research you might deploy in that particular situation, you could actually go further and ask, uh, within the research component, which it may, it, the ship is, may, may already has sailed on this, uh, but ask within the research component, when compared to other options, other competitors, how would you articulate the difference of your offering versus theirs? Or what is the reason that this organization or this individual chose your organization to, to hire you versus the competitors? And ask the, the five whys behind that. And what I mean by the five whys is you really wanna get to the heart of the, the big why of why they hired you. And my suspicion is that it would go beyond all the things that you just articulated right. and you would actually land on something that might be very potent for you to articulate out into the world. Well, and I, and I hear this and I've sort of heard it in the background as we've been talking is that a lot of what you're inviting us to do is navigate by curiosity, which is exactly what coaches are trained to do, should be doing and spend most of our lives doing. How does curiosity work in your work um, dealing with brand strategy, brand evolution, and in your partnership with your clients? Oh, you know, I, I love the topic of curiosity. I, I, I talk on it all the time. Uh, I write on it all the time. And I, I think it's, uh, pardon, to overuse, pardon me for overusing the word operating system, but it's, it's really the operating system for any innovation, for any creativity, and learning anything new. And if we're in the world of coaching and advising and things like that, we always have to suspend what we think we know, especially if we have a lot of experience in something and defer those things and deploy what we consider active listening. You know, really what I think we are as advisors or coaches or consultants is really professional noticers. And curiosity that. is at the heart of all of that. And you know, some of that is asking very, very intelligent questions or just very uh, questions that are centered with, uh, with deep presence, um, showing that you actually care deeply about what that organization is doing or what that individual is doing and how you can serve them and how you can take them to their next step. Mm -hmm. So I think curiosity is um, 
boy, you know, I, I wrote a whole little ebook on curiosity, which I'd be happy to share with your listeners. Uh, it's a free download, and it's it was based upon a talk that I did for Creative Mornings on cultivating more curiosity. Oh, I, love I that. think it's really important for uh, for executives to have. I think it's really important for anyone within an organization, even if you don't consider yourself a creative or an innovator. Yeah. So speaking of books, how do we get to know you? Like what's the best way to reach out to you? How can listeners find you and work with you? What do we need to know? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the main portal that people can connect uh, with me through is through my website, um, uh, at the empthdegree.com. And it's, uh, Mth degree is in not the mathematical term nth degree, which means, you know, without limits, but it's really marketing. Think about it with marketing without limits. Oh. So it's T-H-E-M as in Mary, T-H, and then the word degree.com. On there is um, a huge amount of resources, uh, free eBooks that can be downloaded. Uh, I write uh, pri- uh, quite prolifically for, um, for blog posts that talk about all the things that we're talking about here and and things beyond that. And then um, if they want to email me, it's steven at com, and I'd be happy to talk with anyone. Great. Let's, uh, I'm going to follow up and uh, I know that you were in, in a really juicy point and I kind of want to go back there, but I'm going to follow on uh, Clarice's point now, which is, so you've written two books. You've got a third one coming out. When does that one come out? Yeah, it'll it'll likely come out uh, in late 2018 or early 2019. I'm negotiating right now with uh, a couple different publishers and determining uh, the best way to put it out in the world as we know now. Like uh, the, all, you can, you have the big publisher route, and then you have like you know different uh, versions of uh, more hybrid um, self-publishing type uh, methods. Which way are you what going? I, you're going with the small guys, aren't you? Uh, I, you know, it's. It's so much more agile these days. We yeah. have a whole conversation about the publishing industry, which is fascinating right now. Um, so it, it will likely um, be put out through an imprint through uh, an organization called Conscious Company, uh, or rather Conscious Capitalism. They're working yeah. with a company out of Chicago to do uh, sort of their own publishing arm, not different or not altogether different than what Harvard Business Review has done with their um, publishing arm. Mm. Uh, and Conscious Capitalism is just a, an incredibly well-known organization um, headed up or founded by John Mackey and Raj Sasoda based on the, the book of the same title. Um, so great organization, and it'll, it'll likely come out through them. And you know, to, again, it'll pr- probably be out later this year, early next year. And that uh, title, or at least the working title, is The Evolved Brand, How to Impact the World Through the Power of Your Brand. Um, I really can't wait for that book. How, uh, where, sorry, how, where, what, why? Um, your other two books, what's the best path through them? Is it to start with the very beginning and then do the next one, or are they two different messages? Yeah, the uh, the first book was uh, the... the uh, brand love and loyalty. And I would suggest folks who are interested in brand and a lot of the things that we talked about here today uh, to read through that book first and then go get into uh, the humanized uh, marketing. And you know the reason they're sort of a one-two combination is that once you have a brand set uh, for any organization, then then uh, then you can more effectively go out and market, market in a much more humanized manner. 
Uh, and by humanized, like, you know, I have like having lived and worked in the marketing industry for decades now, I have a lot of critique about the manner in which uh, and especially advertising pushes messages and products out into the world and down people's throats. And often they're products that people don't even want nor need. Mm -hmm. um, uh, humanized marketing has much more to do with the building the brand loyalty side and creating uh, true human to human relationships because it's my belief that any organization is at least at this point until robots really take over the world is still run by humans and they're always yeah. connecting to humans and therefore the best marketing should be done on a human to human level and intended not just to create customers but to create relationships beautiful well, our, uh, our time has flown by today, and uh, we've got a few more minutes, but I kind of want to give them to you. Uh, Clarice, anything that is burning that you want to talk to Stephen about? I, I'm just so moved. I'm very excited to have read about you and found you. I'm very excited to share this with people. I think it's a great place to shift in the way we are orienting to marketing. I'm just such a humanitarian. So the last line, I'm just like, oh, thanks so much for sharing all of that. And I just, I'm good. <laughs> It's great. And, are you, and Clarice, are I'm going to work on your brand? I have so, I, there's so many things swirling. I, I might have to reach out to Steve later. <laughs> Clear. Right. And again, the, the, if you are feeling like Clarice, well, God help you. But if you are, um, <laughs> uh, reach out to Steve at the Empth. That's M as in Mary or marketing. The Empth degree.com. That's T H E M T H D E G R E E.com. And there's everything there blog, blog posts and everything, as well as uh, links to his uh, current books, Brand Love and Loyalty and Humanizing the Customer Journey, as well as so soon the even more equally awaited book. All right. Uh, how about just we just turn the microphone over to you, Stephen? A couple of minutes of a parting thought or a parting shot today to 50,000 or so coaches that are listening. What would you have us keep uh, in mind as we go through our day, or what would you challenge us with today? Yeah, beautiful question. Um, so, you know, knowing that, uh, look, I, I love the, the world of coaching. I think that uh, an exceptionally well-trained and um, experienced coach can do wonders for leaders. Uh, and, and I say that pe speaking personally and having worked with uh, several coaches over the years who have meant a world of difference in my life. Mm. And um, you know, I just, so I have uh, just a huge amount of respect for, you know, real coaches and coaching industry and the, the positive effects that, uh, you folks make upon the world and the world of leaders and the world of organizations. Um, my recommendation to coaches, uh, going back to one of the things that we talked about previously is I think, you know, there's a sea of coaches out there that I think is very difficult to distinguish and determine one from the other. And, uh, you know, getting very clear about what you stand for, what you believe, and having the courage and the fortitude to put it out there in a brave and brilliant, beautiful and courageous way is uh, going to attract the right kinds of people in your direction. And you will likely be much more happier working with those people uh, when you're the flame and not the moth. And when, when I go out and build brands, I talk about that particular metaphor in building the flame that it attracts the right kind of people. And I know it exists in 
every organization and every coach and and there's beauty and there's magic and there's genius in every individual so i would just encourage you all to really capture it and bottle and express that that genius in your own unique way what a great note to end on the man is Stephen Morris. The company and the place to find him is The Empth Degree. That's M as in Mary, T-H-D-E-G-R-E-E dot com. Stephen, thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. Thanks for being with us today and focusing us on brand evolution and strategy. Beautiful. Our, thank you guys for the conversation. Thank you. Have a great day. And Clarice, what did we learn today from, uh, from being in our brand new studio to uh, Steve, talking to Stephen to, um, you know, just learning stuff what'd you come away with evolution storytelling like it's all important and fundament fundamental and just like the ebb and flow of it i guess we can watch your brand and see i know I'm so empoweringwomen.coach or you can always find us here at accomplishment media each and every week bringing you people out on the cutting edge of coaching and the field of coaching or people that are uh, useful in uh, building your coaching practice thank you so much dear listeners for following us over to accomplishmentmedia.com or wherever fine podcasts are available well that's it for another edition of the coaching show and we will talk to you next week thanks for listening